Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Joining you here tonight is Ian. Peakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass is also here. Captain, you were telling me a story last night, because uh, oh, we were man. hanging out, yeah. uh, about a, a New York City situation where a poor bastard is now being strung up with... I don't know how many years in prison, but 27 felony or 26, 26 felony yeah. charges for simply defending himself right. in a, uh, what, a robbery or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was a that? mugging. Somebody attempted to mug him. Yeah. I presume it did not go well uh, for the mugger. No, it didn't. In that case. Uh, so this from ABC7NY.com. Man accused of killing mugger in Queens arraigned on 26 gun charges yep. and his bail was doubled. Uh, Rather than giving him a medal for taking out a scumbag uh, who was trying to probably has mugged other people. This probably wasn't his first mugging. One would think. Uh, it was just the one where somebody fought back and yeah. actually killed the dude. Uh, rather than you know thanking him for doing the city a favor and cleaning up the streets. No, they apparently investigated him and went to his home after it was found that he was, what, illegally carrying a gun? Yeah, so he defended himself, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Right. Uh, with a gun. With a gun. Uh, he allegedly, and this article has to say allegedly, shot and killed a suspect who was trying mm-hmm. to rob him. Uh, he appeared in court on Friday on 26 counts of criminal possession of a weapon. Uh, bail was uh, recommended at 25000 uh, for Charles Foner, or Foner, I'm not sure how you pronounce this. Uh, it was age 65. Uh, during his arraignment wow. before Judge Jerry Iannese, I'm probably butchering that as well, in Queens Criminal Court, Judge Iannese showed Feiner no sympathy during the brief court appearance, doubling the amount initially requested for bail by the Queens DA office. So the DA originally said, we recommend $25,000 mm-hmm. bail. Judge Not said, enough. No, I think we're really going to F this guy. Let's mm-hmm. double it. I'm an activist. Yeah. Uh, the defendant, this is a quote, the defendant was on the street with a loaded, unlicensed gun, the judge said. (gasps) There are too many shootings in this city, exclamation mark. (laughs) The court is quite concerned with what we see. That's a quote from the judge. Right, yeah. Look, if you're going to get robbed in New York City, you're just supposed to take it. You give up all the money that you have, bend over, and let the criminal do absolutely anything that they want to. Well, it serves you right for having cash in the first place. You're supposed (laughs) to have uh, transitioned to credit cards and debit cards, and really just credit cards. Like, you're not supposed to have any actual money, just debt. And how impartial does that judge sound? Like, yeah. not at all. Like, completely not impartial at all. Justice isn't p- impartial anymore. Uh, Fainer was walking to a parking garage mm. when he said the robbery suspect, identified as 32-year-old Cody Gonzalez, demanded money. Investigators say Fainer, a retired doorman, claims he shot the would-be mugger to death after the assailant lunged at him with a sharp object at 2 a.m. on Wednesday. On Damn. Thursday... Investigators revealed that the robbery suspect was not armed with a weapon, but did have a pen. The 32-year-old had more than a dozen prior arrests. So, I mean, yep. a pen is still a pointed object. So, you know, you can you can injure or kill a man with a they pen. They say the pen's mightier than the sword. Indeed. Uh, Fainer said nothing to reporters as he was led from the 102nd Precinct in handcuffs late Thursday afternoon after Queens prosecutors filed weapons charges, including criminal possession of a weapon, and criminal possession of a firearm. 
Police then confirmed later in the evening that Fainer was charged with 26 counts Jeez. of criminal possession of a weapon, but was not charged in the fatal shooting. I'm actually surprised. I mean, I, you, me too. You know, you've heard the stories about how oh, you're supposed to drag the you shoot somebody outside your house in some jurisdictions. They say drag them inside, otherwise they'll like come at you for whatever. The, I don't know what the charge is, manslaughter yeah. or something like that. Uh, or second degree murder or whatever, and uh, I, I'm surprised they didn't just say something, you know, hit him with some kind of other felony here for yeah, and defending it, himself. And it gets weirder too, particularly about that, about the whole like the incident that this occurred, the mugging itself. Mm-hmm. He is facing no legal ramifications for. So uh, they found a, a bunch of guns. He did have a license. This says for five rifles. So he was at least compliant, if you will, wow. with a partial that New York easy City in law. New York. Uh, I mean, New York City, you're not even... Uh, last I heard, you weren't even supposed to have a private gun unless you were like an armored car guy right. or mm-hmm. something like that, or a private detective. Certain private investigators yeah. can get uh, firearms, but other ones cannot. So there's a yeah, you have to jump through like an amazing amount of I can't of even imagine what yeah, he had to it, go through. I, I'm pretty sure it's the single most restrictive gun laws in the United States. Yeah. I think Chicago's got that. They're probably up there. Really? Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Top three, at uh, the very least. Fainer told prosecutors, I pulled the gun out of my pocket. It didn't go off accidentally. I pulled the trigger. I emptied the revolver. Wow. Last night, I was carrying a firearm because of crime in the city. Yep. I've had it since the 1990s. Hmm. I obtained it in a bar one night. The firearms are mine and mine alone. So wait, just to clarify, he's got a license for the rifles, it said. That's what it says. But the gun he had on him in the was shooting pistol. was not legal? He did not have a license for it. I see. Okay. Uh, the retired doorman allegedly told detectives he collects the firearms as a hobby. Damn. But Fainer does not have a permit for the pistol or for most of the weapons he collected. Fainer was originally set to be arraigned on Thursday night, but in a bizarre twist, this is where it gets weird, the judge recused herself in the middle of proceedings Whoa. and adjourned the arraignment for Friday. Okay. So, uh, and we talked about this last night. Arra- or, uh, recusing just means that usually there's a conflict of interest. So Typically. Not sure what the conflict of interest is here. The f- next paragraph says, the judge signed off on the search warrant related to the shooting. This is the search warrant for the guy's house. So the shooting occurred, right? Legal people got involved. The state gets involved. And then somehow the DA said, well, we got to search the guy's house because he didn't have a license for the pistol that he killed the, the, the mugger with. So that's what happened. The judge signed that warrant, but since the uh, Fainer is not being charged in the shooting itself, the judge is now connected to aspects of this case that are not within the scope of the charges. And that's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. They don't come right out and say what it is. They don't say it's a conflict of interest. Hmm. They just say that the judge who said, so wouldn't that invalidate the warrant as well, is my question, from a legal perspective? Well, you would think, but uh, this is the government we're talking about. Yeah. They don't actually have to, you know, abide by their own rules or the rules of logic. Mm. Uh, Judge Iannici took over the case on Friday. The shooting happened in a driveway outside of Fainer's apartment building where a surveillance camera captured the entire confrontation. The video shows Fainer backing down the driveway as the assailant closed in on him. Fainer yeah. draws his gun and the assailant keeps on coming. Whew, the crazy. Sh- the shots were fired from a distance of about eight feet. 
Apparently, his lawyer, uh, Margaret Lynn, according to the New York Post, urged the judge to release him on his own recognizance, saying he's a deli worker, has no criminal record, and lives steps away from the courthouse. She said this incident is a total aberration in his life. He's the one who called the police immediately after the robbery where he was the victim. But that didn't matter to the judge who sided with the prosecutors. And then, as you mentioned, the $50,000 bail in this case. Uh, Facing up to 25 years in prison, the man is 65 years old. So this is potential life prison sentence for him. Yeah, if they, if they sentence him to 25 years, I mean... Yeah, I mean, without some kind of weird complication that uh, would be difficult to know about, I can't imagine why they wouldn't be nailing this guy to the wall publicly. Like, that he looks should like be what the, they're doing. Yeah, he should... Well, I'm, the judge is recusing herself. Why? Well, On earth are you recusing yourself? She doesn't have to say, yourself? I guess. Apparently not. Um, and now there's I mean, another judge, so it's going to move like, forward. Uh, judges are political entities, so sure. you would think that this judge would be hopping on the opportunity to, you know, reestablish the New York identity. The only thing, like, I can think of, and I'm just, again, spitballing, is that that judge who recused herself uh, presided over a case of the mugger, because it said the oh, mugger had been, the mugger had been, you know, in you know, the court system multiple times, like a dozen times or so, I think is what it said. So, you know. And in that case, she might have uh, expunged the record. Yeah, something. So that's the only thing I can think of, like, that makes logical sense or at least is uh, sort of a a believable thing. Mm. I mean, if he was a doorman, maybe she lived in an apartment where he was the door guy or something. I I don't know. But you would think that that would have not allowed her to press the warrant or sign the warrant. Mm. If that were the case, but I I don't really know the details hopefully are are more forthcoming, you know, to answer these questions, but likely not. Yeah. If you're keeping up to date on this story, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know. But it's just so it's so sad when you hear about people in places like New York and California who could avoid all of these problems by simply being in a different place, a different so-called jurisdiction where it's not illegal to have guns in your home. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I mean, on your person. Yeah, in a case like this in New Hampshire, you'd usually get a pat on the back from the cops for defending yourself, and you go home, and that's the end of the end of the story. The fact that you defend yourself in the street isn't justification for a search of your house, right? Which is all that should happen here in this case too. The man right. defended himself. There's video evidence of the altercation that shows clearly the dude was coming at him with something yeah. in his hand. And, you know, the dude shot him. Yeah, and, I mean, the guy's a doorman and a deli worker. That's not work that you have to be in New York for. Nope. Well, well a doorman, you got to be in a big city. But, uh, mm. yeah, deli workers, you can do that anywhere. Yeah. So. Sad story. So, again, like, it's insane, like, just how mm, petty government can be. Yep. In just, like, if they want to come after you, they will manufacture what they need to come after you. They, there's so many laws that have been written, both federal, state, that no one can even count them. And if you don't believe me, I dare you to try. Go look it up. Go look up how many laws exist. Impossible. It's impossible. People have tried, and they they reckon that it'll take uh, multiple <laughs> lifetimes for even another attempt to hey, be started. Maybe that'll be something that we can finally accomplish with AI. 
AI, how many laws exist? Yeah, right. That is a good question. Have it just pour through them and be like, <laughs> well, by this counting, it's that, that's twelve trillion seven hundred fifty-nine billion. Would you be asking for the whole planet, or just the United States, or New York City? Because oh, personally, to- I would be asking how many laws apply to me. Oh, that's even harder to oh, answer. That one, right, right, because there's yeah. no evidence that laws actually apply. Well, well, there's evidence that they'll throw you in a prison cell. There's I'm, evidence that there are men who will, you know, put you in a cage, and if you resist, they yeah. will end your life. Of course, there is. I'm certain that any AI that I get a hold of that is at all capable of accessing uh, law, like the statutes and everything, will have been trained in a very statist way. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was very glad that I got to see the uh, the noon case, or, or I guess the. Oh yeah, uh, thank you for going to talk about that. Yes, let's talk about that. Uh, or uh, Shall- the Shallon Spalding case, I guess. Um, I think of them as the noons. They are. They married. are the noons. Uh, well, and and that was that was an interesting bit because they are you know married like humans rather yes. than like property of the state. Correct. They did a free wedding at uh, Forkfest years and years ago. It was actually I think 2018, and our very yeah. own Mark Edge uh, from the Shire Free Church was the officiant. Yeah, and uh, I I actually did notice that the he snuck it right in there. Like I think it was the very last thing that he did. The prosecutor, because mm-hmm. uh, there were two rounds of questioning for the uh, police officer that he brought up, mm-hmm. and like I think it was literally the last question that he asked him there, and just snuck it in at the end of like, oh, in your experience as a police officer, uh, are people who are physically in the uh, area of Concord subject to this jurisdiction? Whoa, I missed that one. Yeah, it was real sneaky. But he absolutely, he he snuck it in there right at the end. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's really interesting seeing the, the different, the, like, unpredictably different responses that courts have to challenges of jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. What was the question that was asked that was allowed to be answered. Right, so the reason the prosecutor asked that last question that you're referring to is because mm-hmm. Jay, uh, again, he was acting as the what they call attorney in fact, so he basically signed a form saying that I will obey the attorney rules and I can quote-unquote represent my wife. Uh, he did ask, the, I think it was the cop, something to the effect of you had actually said the wording a few moments ago without even realizing that was what was yeah, being it said. It was something along the lines of, of uh, is there any evidence that this jurisdiction applies to this individual? Yeah, something and like that. And he said no. He did. Yeah, so I, I've, I've been thinking about this because, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, well, he wanted to do a written one later so that we wouldn't be happy that uh, it went our way or that we wouldn't be upset that it didn't go our way. And the more I'm thinking about this, like, there is some real complexity to this particular case uh, that, that makes it a very difficult case to judge on, because who challenges jurisdiction? Well, and but that's what everybody should do. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and in fact, uh, rather than challenging, directly challenging jurisdiction by saying something like, you know, what is jurisdiction, right? That That's going to get you into some, you know, weird discussions with the judge and the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. But asking a question, uh, uh, and, and Bonnie alluded to this uh, during the break when we were discussing this, uh, the best question I think to ask is, can you show me the evidence that the jurisdiction applies to me? Right. Okay, so this is the, this, to, re- to that question, 
I did take notes. I was using my Mastodon account over at social.freetalklive.com. I was following you. As it was going along, and I did write the what I believe was the exact question. Okay. Uh, It was, do you have any evidence of facts that the New Hampshire RSAs apply to Shallon Spalding? There you go. That's it. That's a great question. And he said no. Yeah. So uh, did he motion for a thing right then and there? There was no objection to that Mm -hmm. question. Oh, did he motion to, dis- to yeah, dismiss? Yes, no, he did. Like, he, he, no had already, he had already uh, motioned to dismiss, so that he could have motioned right then and there. Yeah. Though mm. he could have said, "Look, Perhaps. this uh, this witness just you know I don't know what the the yeah. Yeah. what you would say for that motion, but look, there's no evidence the law applies. Oh, that's, so that's, therefore, that's what you would say. Is, to I move to uh, well, on, the, on the basis of the fact that there's no evidence that this applies to mm-hmm. uh, my wife. I would I would actually ask a confirming question of the judge before I would I would motion, and what I would say is. Uh, judge, you know, help me out here, right? Get a little Columbo with it. I'm, you know, if I'm Jay, I like, obviously I'm not an attorney, but mm-hmm. to my understanding that it is the prosecution's job to provide the evidence and the prosecution is unable to do that right. according to the, the answer we just heard. Right. So I must motion for you to dismiss this. Right. You're here, here to find get facts, the judge, judge, get the judge right? to agree that yes, that's indeed how it works. Great. Then I motion mm-hmm. for you to dismiss this case based on a lack of evidence. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what you do. Okay, I move to dismiss then. Yeah. Uh, oh, shoot. It's hard, though. Monster. I mean, when you're up there, the pressure's on. so difficult. Yeah. If you're not experienced, and Jay is pretty experienced and smart. dealing with, uh, with court stuff, but that doesn't mean it's not hard as hell to uh, be up there with all the pressure on. Right. So, I mean, as I see it, there's two things that the, the judge really has to figure out on this one. So the first thing is the jurisdictional matter, which is really dicey because his job is to make the court look good. That is the most and only important thing in not only any lawyer's job, but especially any judge's job. Like, mm-hmm. that is what you make an oath to. You swear an oath to uphold the court. That means make the court look good. So if he acknowledges, ooh, wow, yeah, there isn't a jurisdiction here, he has to do so in a way that doesn't make the court look stupid. And he also has to go, okay, It's specifically said that usually this jurisdiction applies. So if I say that this jurisdiction doesn't apply, I have to explain why it doesn't apply in this case. Right. So rather than making the judge and the court look foolish, you just make the prosecution look like they were incompetent or they were unable to complete their job. Mm. Right. They they didn't fully take care of all of the details. And that still makes the court look bad. It makes the prosecution look bad, not necessarily the court. Ah, the prosecution is part of the court. I I understand what you're saying. And we're arguing semantics here. But the judge would much rather uh, dismiss a case where the prosecution looks bad rather than dismiss a case where the defendant has just made the, the judge look bad. That's true. Tim in Florida? Hey. Yep, I'm here. We got you. Go hey, ahead, uh, sir. Hey, uh, I wanted to bring it back to Twitter. Um, I actually came in, I think, at the end of a conversation about Twitter, and I heard you were talking about uh, some spoof, uh, what is a man? <laughs> yeah, apparently the yeah. Babylon Bee has a full-on feature-length documentary. mockumentary. 99-minute documentary. And Captain recommends it. Yeah, I'll check it out. I haven't even checked out the uh, what, what is a woman yet, but yeah, me neither. But I but I watched uh, this uh, you know parody documentary, and well, I, I just have to say, watch it and let me know what you think later. Hmm. Uh, I will. The reason I actually called was because um, you know all this business with uh, 
Ben Shapiro and Elon Musk and, and all that. You know, I he, don't know what you're referring to. What's the business with them? Well, uh, what is a woman apparently is uh, something that was posted. I, I think it's by the same out that, that Ben Shapiro is involved with or runs. Um, his media outlet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the guy that made this movie is a ultra-right-wing conservative named name. Matt Walsh. Thank you. Correct. And Correct. he is just absolutely awful as far as, like, being a human being. Uh, but, you know, I gotta say, the documentary looks like it could be interesting. Uh, I haven't really... I think I saw some preview for it months ago. I haven't really seen anything in the... I saw the hubbub about it, I guess. Yeah. I guess it was, like, blocked by some staff at Twitter, and then Elon Musk... Right unblocked it and then well, made a post about it or something they, well they, they they made a deal they made a deal uh beforehand that yes he was going to allow it and then after they posted it uh apparently they got a message that said hey you know after we reviewed this you need to change x y and z otherwise we're not going to allow you to post it and, and the the thing that piqued my interest was when i'm, I'm going through my podcast today and I, I see ben shapiro and the title is Elon Musk saves free speech again. Oh, God. No. No, yeah. he didn't. He, the only reason he backtracked is because it's Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh. It's only because they're so big. Mm-hmm. And there is shadow banning still going on. Um, sure. There are yep. people being blocked, for sure. Yeah, Twitter hasn't really changed that much. I mean, I think it has gone in a more positive direction since Elon Musk took it over, but he's not the free speech hero he wants you to believe that he is. And, you know, for instance, he won't even let Alex Jones uh, back on the platform because he doesn't like what Alex Jones said about children, apparently. Yeah, Yeah, there's a thing about freedom, though, like in order for you to be free, others must also be free. This includes things you don't like, people. This includes things you don't like. That's literally the only purpose of freedom of speech, is so that people can say things that aren't popular. You can't say you're a free speech absolutist in one breath, and then in the other breath make excuses for why Alex Jones isn't allowed on your supposed free speech platform. And to your your point, Peakless, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, Popular speech doesn't need protection. Exactly. Because it's popular. Yeah, there's very much a, a thing happening in big tech that is very similar to what happens in politics, where, oh, well, uh, uh, Zuckerberg is terrible, which means Elon is awesome. And no, two things can be true. They can <laughs> right. both be controlling a-holes. Yeah. Well, so apparently apparently the FBI is still in Twitter. That never stops. Of course. Right. Um, that, that, I was trying to turn you on to the last American Vagabond uh, last week. That's where I'm getting a lot of this information is, um, you know, and a lot of it is circumstantial. And the guy even admits that, uh, David Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's showing some really weird things going on with Twitter where um, certain subjects are just being blocked regarding uh, Ukraine, uh, regarding even mm-hmm. still with COVID. I'm um, shocked. Yeah, it's not over. <laughs> so what you're sure. saying is you don't believe that if this movie were made by some lesser-known creators, people that don't have, you know, 500,000 views or, or 500,000 followers or whatever, if it were made by someone with 5,000 uh, followers, then it would have just simply been blocked, and that would have been yeah, the end no of the story. Yeah, with no explanation. Mm-hmm. Yep, with no explanation. I mean, you know, but you're I mean, I wouldn't be surprised here. if that's happening right now. You know, yeah, there's sure. somebody with 50 followers that made his own, you know, documentary about something, and it just rubs somebody the wrong way, and they're like, nope, squashed.
Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right, Tim. And just as with uh, with politics, the secret is to not vote Republican or Democrat. Uh, similarly, the secret is to get out of these controlled systems. Stop putting your time and energy into both Facebook and Twitter. So you have a retraction or a correction of some sort yeah. uh, to make, Peakless. Uh, what happened on Sunday night? Yeah, so, uh, and, and this sort of thing does happen when uh, you're just, you know, dealing with too much information. So I kind of uh, uh, mentally swapped two different dates. Uh, so I had announced on Sunday that the uh, uh, secured overnight funding rate, which is the American uh, uh, decision on what the uh, day-to-day uh, interest rates for the world will be, uh, taking over for the London Interbank overnight rate, LIBOR rate, um, now, uh, I had said that that was happening on the first of this month. Uh, it actually happens at the end of this month. So the, the end of this month will be the last day of the, uh, London rate existing. So, okay. uh, financial apocalypse, maybe, uh, it's, uh, it's very much a financial Y2K. It's possible that the quadrillion dollars of contracts that are all determined on the day-to-day rate uh, of the overnight uh, London rate, maybe they've already figured this out and already put things in place to make sure that the American rate will function just as well. Or maybe they didn't, and a quadrillion dollars worth of contracts are about to go haywire. What would that mean for them to go haywire? Uh, we're looking at all sorts of possibilities. Talking uh, about I rates mean, going up I'm, on people's loans or something? Well, or so so one of the things that very much seems to be uh, waiting in the wings for us is a uh, what's called a credit crunch. So you know how they've been, you know, hiking the rate, hiking the rate, hiking the rate. Uh, it, the Federal Reserve. Uh, rate. Yes, the Federal Reserve rate, and other central banks have been doing the same thing. Right, yeah. right. Yes, uh, 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 every as far as I know, every bank throughout the world uh, finally did sign on to hiking their rates to some degree or another. Now that means that it's really, really hard for these businesses to get loans. And unfortunately, we've spent years where all of the rates were practically zero and in some cases less than zero. So we have a tremendous number of businesses that have no profitability whatsoever, that are con- they're, they're zombie Zombies. businesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the only reason they continue to exist, and as a result, certain people having jobs, is because they keep being able to get this easy money loaned to them so that they can pay their previous loans. Mm-hmm. So uh, now that, A, we have a much higher rate, and B, there's a lot uh, closer scrutiny on what banks are doing because of the previous bank failures, a lot of banks are making it very, very difficult for businesses to get loans. Right. So there's uh, there's a credit crunch that we are starting to see the effects of. We heard a story... Um I think it was actually Professor St. Ange, Peter St. Ange, who, mm-hmm. who pointed this out, that there was like uh, somebody who was creating a new housing development in New York City and like, you know, a reputable guy firm or whatever that has done this many times. And they went looking for financing and they couldn't get it. Right. From like major banks that they've been able to do business with in the past. These people have a great reputation or whatever. And it wasn't it wasn't happening yeah and and in ordinary circumstances even if there's uh you know something that, that makes it a little harder to get a loan you'll just get a, a worse rate mm-hmm. but you'll still be able to get that loan and your business won't go under completely whereas now but if you can't get the loan at all right 
now there's all these zombie businesses that their ability to continue to shamble forward into the future is being cut off. Mm -hmm. And another thing that's uh, that's uh, complicating the situation. So in uh, in 2008, we had this whole explosion due to people not paying their mortgages. Right. Now we have this problem only instead of it being houses, it's all of this commercial real estate, right, right. which, uh, as, as I've mentioned on this program, uh, has two big differences. One is that they're much shorter term. And two is that there is this, uh, so they'll they'll have this small payment on the uh, uh, month to month, mm-hmm. and then this big bubble at the, the end. Balloon. Yes, the mm-hmm. balloon payment at the end where they pay most of the thing off. So when you but get- But if they can't pay it off. Right. And that's the issue right there. Mm-hmm. So then you have, so they haven't been putting equity in this uh, commercial mortgage. And the reason they can't pay it off is because, you know, their shopping center's half empty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, the building is half empty or whatever, right? Whatever commercial property we're talking about here because well, people went out of business COVID. during, during yeah. COVID right. big time. And now you've got inflation that, of course, has been kicking up and making things much more difficult on these businesses. Not to mention they've they probably have their own loans and and all that. There's all kinds of like circumstances that are just coming home to roost at some point. Oh yeah, I mean we we are seeing just a play by play of the disaster scenario that the Austrian ec- uh, economists warned us about. Where like okay, if you want to pretend there isn't a recession, you can do this fake easy money thing, but it's essentially like uh, you know drinking more when you have a hangover, and it's like well that's oh, what they're well, gonna do because they. Bailed out the government this week, right? The Senate and the, the House of Representatives right. went ahead and voted for the plan, and now the I believe uh, they're saying that the debt ceiling will be completely suspended until January of 2025. Right. So there's currently no debt ceiling. Right. <laughs> I, I they mean, can spend just as much as I feel like. Has there ever really been one? Uh, just well, the yes illusion no. of one. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes That's and no. The answer. Well, so so here's the thing. They've, they they've, say it's a political one. football. That's all it is. Well, it's it, it's sort of like with the court system, right? Where like their job is not to actually do justice, but to not appear foolish. Hey, Daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Captain, since we're talking about privacy stuff, you had a website that you'd heard about. Now, you haven't tried this yet. I have not. Okay, so this isn't, they're not a sponsor. We don't know whether they're going to be good or bad or what. Your mileage may vary here, but it's a cool concept. And we've talked to you about Purse before. Yeah. Uh, Saveitpurse.com allows you to buy thing, uh, things on Amazon with Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. They've been around for several years now, and it's been a pretty successful site. They almost went out of business. I think Roger Veer uh, saved them or something like that. I forget exactly yeah. how that went down a few years ago. But uh, they're still around, and it's a useful service that seems, from what I understand from people talking to me about it, seems to have slowed down in recent months maybe it's just due to crypto winter i i made a purchase um, recently on it and it was a, a we'll say a heavy item 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, something that was going to cost extra or not cost, shipping. but like a lot of shipping. shipping. Uh, yeah, it, you know, came in like a wooden crate, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, and uh, I used purse for that because, well, I wanted to save some bucks. Yeah, and I it did it. What did you, like, you save? Fifteen uh, percent. Okay, all yeah. right, that's good. That's uh, good. And it, yeah, and it was a uh, you know we'll call it a thousand dollar item. You know, okay. that kind of a thing. So you, you do the math, you, you know, that, that's a significant savings. Uh, so somehow uh, I've been following a couple of different uh, Monero people. Mm-hmm. I, guess, I don't know if they're directly working for Monero, but they're at least, uh, you know, evangelists or, you know. I suspect no one works for Monero. It's just, you know, open source programming. So, yeah, it's, you, you know, Twitter people that, you know, have the Monero logo and that kind of yeah. a thing in their profiles. Yeah. They're just fanatics. Someone posted a link to, and and I'm not, I don't get paid for any of this. Right. I, I just noticed it, and I haven't used it either, so I can't tell you if it's safe or it works. But a non-shop.app mm-hmm. uh, has a website where you can go to that you can spend Monero anonymously to buy stuff. Ooh. 100% anonymous purchasing. So for, let's say you want to buy something on Amazon but you want to be anonymous about it. Basically what you do is you go to their website, uh, you you know post a link of the thing you want to buy. They go, okay, it's going to be this much. You send them the Monero, they make the purchase for you, and then they'll deliver it to what's called an Amazon locker. Now, Ian, you I had no idea these existed. You hadn't heard of this. I an grew up- Amazon locker? Amazon locker, yeah. These things exist all over the Seattle area, of course, so I'm very familiar with them. Uh, basically, instead of having it shipped to your door, if you're like downtown, but you live like an hour away or in another city or something, uh, it, you can order something from Amazon. They'll ship it to a locker, uh, and then you could just go to that locker. They give you a code on your app or on your phone, and you go hmm. to the, you punch in the code. The door opens, and you get your stuff. Nice. Um, so they can do this anonymously with Monero. So you you know plug in a URL or something you want to buy on Amazon. They go, yep, it's this much. You send them in the Monero. Uh, they go ahead and order the thing and ship it to an Amazon locker and give you the code to go pick it up. You don't have to provide any ID of any kind. You don't have to tell them your name. You don't have to tell them your address, your zip code, nothing. It's just all done anonymously according to their website. Hmm. That's awesome. They do, of course, now, have options for you to ship to your home and that kind of a thing as well. If you know you don't really care, they'll, they'll give you a discount. I think it's an 8% discount if you ship something to your home instead of doing it anonymously, and they have some other thing that they do. I can't remember what it is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you get a discount for buying something? Hold on. You mean, is it a discount on the fee they would normally charge you on top for this? Because, I mean, if, you, if you're going with anonymity, you normally don't get discounts. You usually pay yeah, more so, well, for no, the no, service. No, no, no. Hang on. Let me clarify. Okay. The anonymous one, no discount. Oh, okay. If you're shipping to your home address... Mm-hmm. They'll give you an eight percent discount, but is uh, the discount just to clarify up to an eight? Do they have discount. a like a like a ten percent fee or something that they charge, and then you save eight percent on that, or is it that you save eight percent on the purchase price? Eight percent on the order. Hmm. So I assume, how the hell can they do that? I assume well, it's just like purse. My, like purse. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say my my assumption is that uh, they do it the same way as purse. Mm-hmm. And one of the neat things mm-hmm. about uh, this reminded about- me exactly of purse, okay. except for with even more anonymity. Now, right. if, if privacy is important to you and you need to buy goods and you have some Monero, why this might be a thing for you to look into.
you want to see the uh, value of cryptocurrencies moon, right? Like so many crypto bros, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I'm going to Lambo and like <laughs> to the moon and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. uh, the way that that's going to happen, in my opinion, is when AI adopts cryptocurrency. Because AIs are going to have to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And AIs are going to have to deal with each other. And by deal, I mean transact. I mean mm. negotiate and make contracts or smart contracts right. and these types of things. And what currency do you think AI is going to use? Do you think it's going to use the USD? Do you think it's going to use central bank digital currencies known as CBDCs? Mm -hmm. do, do those offer less friction? No, they offer far more <laughs> friction, more bureaucracy, more hoops. And AI is not a person, so it can't sign up for a bank account. But, but an AI can own a crypto wallet. Sure can. And it can transact with other AIs via cryptocurrency quickly. The question is, has this happened yet? Well, we don't know. Right. Tough well, to we, tell. It may have. I, it well, may have. I think we're I to the point where it could have already happened. Yeah. And and one of the, the big things that's happening right now is like, okay, so there's only so much access to this technology that exists, but that amount is growing and spreading. Like people yep. are getting greater and greater access to AI technology. Open, uh, open source code yeah. AI technologies are actually getting higher and higher levels of development. Yeah. So you're going, yeah, sure, you're going to have some AIs that attempt to use central bank digital currencies that try to use Visa and MasterCard. Oh, there will be the big tech AIs that will absolutely have their claws into and vice versa the central bank digital currency. But they're going to have to compete with AIs that that have their options open. Right. So there are going to be right. some AIs that, sure, they tried Visa and MasterCard, and they tried all your fiat currencies, and they tried your central bank digital currency, but, man, it's so inefficient. Mm -hmm. I hate feeling like a broken record, but I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The most underrated feature of cryptocurrency is that it does not require you to be a human being to use it. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas USD, any other state-based currency, requires you to be a human yeah, being. You've got to pass know your customer right. to get into those. Yeah, it's yeah. a great point. Yeah, and, and one thing that I personally absolutely adore about the AI thing and the fact that it's in all of the media and it's this big focus and people are like, oh, cryptocurrency, that's so passe. It's all about AI now. Great, because there's a lot of nonsense that happens when you're the hot new technology. There's just a lot of stupid, stupid human activity and scams and lies that get poured into the next big thing. And since great, uh, now I'm thoroughly convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that cryptocurrency still is the more important and bigger of the technologies. But the focus has been shifted, so a lot mm. of that scammy nonsense is moving out of the cryptocurrency world and into the AI world. Go ahead, Major. Yeah, I got a real simple fix for your computer camera. You okay. know where they're at? They're right in the center on the top. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is take like a nickel or a quarter, and it's suspended on a piece of tape, and you flip it down and flip it up. Huh, nice. Uh, yeah, probably isn't going to work yeah. that well with a cell phone. I think Peakless's solution yeah. no, is better. Cell for, phone, it would have to be something stationary. For the yeah, computer major, like I think for like $3, you can get uh, one of these self-adhesive camera. It's like a lens cap, but they it's give for them your away laptop. In some yeah. places. A lot of tech companies will give them away. Right. Uh, you can find them, and it just slides to the left and to the right. They're kind of chintzy, but they yeah, are what they Yeah, are. they are very chintzy. I've I, never had one that I bought, stayed adhesed to I, anything. I bought a five-pack. I've used one, hmm. so okay. I've got four to spare. Ooh. 
Not bad. Should so I need them again? I'm just trying to think outside the box. All right, you know. Major. That's Appreciate not it. why you were calling, though. No, that's not why I was calling. You All guys right. were talking about taxes and <clears throat> property and whatnot, and I'm thinking about the degradation of the cities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mayor of Detroit has an interesting concept. It hasn't come to fruition, but it's at least in the stew pot. And what he's thinking about doing is uh, all the vacant lots, and I don't know if the abandoned properties are going to be pulled in with this or not, but he's going to raise the taxes on all those and lower the taxes on the people that are still maintaining their houses in the city. So it's basically, I mean, if you if you want to hold on to that piece of land because you're planning on taking over the whole damn residential neighborhood at some point, which is what these big companies do, you know, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to uh, pay to keep that piece of dirt. Yeah, so, I mean, taxation is theft regardless of how it's applied. Well, it, it yeah. is, but he's trying to save the city at the same time. Taxation is theft, but uh, corporations are unnatural non-entities, so, you know. Like, I feel bad for Detroit, where I think you could still buy a house for the price of a VCR, and (laughs) the fact that most people don't know what VCRs are these days should tell you something about that It probably doesn't have any copper uh, tubing in it or anything like that. It's been stripped of whatever was the value. But the way I look at Detroit is, uh, I mean, it basically is cancer. Mm-hmm. And and it has spread uh, through not just Detroit, but it's moving south down in that whole to the Rust Belt. Yeah, mm-hmm. that whole area between uh, Detroit and like all the way down to like Toledo, Ohio, is ju- it has become like it's like the cancer grew. Like it started in Detroit, and over time, it has just progressed and progressed. And no chemotherapy has has helped, and no treatments are really possible at this point. I think it's gotten so out of hand that there is no viable solution other than the government to get out of the way and let the market decide mm-hmm. what happens. Well, all of the big towns in southern Michigan have gone bad. I mean, Muskegon, there's a water park there. I wouldn't take my kids there for love or money. If you paid me, I wouldn't take my kids there. What about Grand Rapids? Grand Rapids has gotten real bad, too. Um, there's a place, you know, Michigan Avenue, US-12. It used to be an Indian trail that connected Fort Detroit with Chicago. Okay, that's now Michigan Ave. But uh, right between Dead Center, there's a little town called Battle Creek. It's been called Battle Crack for 20 years now. Battle Crack. (laughs) (laughs) Have they changed the street signs? That's hilarious. Is that a reference to the war on drugs? It's Dead Center between Detroit and Chicago, so it's a first place. Station yeah. up the uh, we used the to be on in Battle Creek, stop, as it were, from the old days, you know, a long time ago. Oh, not not even that long ago. Uh, you know what? I want to talk about this uh, this idea though before we move on about punishing, essentially punishing people who have you know undeveloped land yeah. in Detroit. And basically, what's going to happen here is it's going to be a rush to the exits. Uh, and this isn't. It sounds like it's going to affect not just big corporations, but a small uh, individual. If you, yep. you know, your grandma, or whatever, left you some property in Detroit and it was never built on, you've just been holding on to it in the hopes that I don't know, maybe the city will come back someday and it'll be worth something. Uh, now you're going to be incentivized to sell to maybe one of these big corporations or whatever. So it actually may end up putting a lot more small property in the hands of the big companies mm-hmm. who have big plans. Uh, you're going to punish this, the the little guy, and and if it gets to the point where you can't easily sell it because it's so punishing, like I don't know how how bad they're going to hit yeah. people. Like if it's if it's so punishing to hold on to a piece of undeveloped property, 
then it may be hard to find someone who wants to buy it, right? So if you put something on the market, you're like, all right, well, they're charging me too much money. I'm out. I can't afford the property taxes on this undeveloped land. I'm out. I'm selling. And no one buys it. And it's like six months later, a year later. Now you've had to pay the property tax bill again. You're like, crap, this sucks. You're just going to turn it over to the city at some point. You're just going to say, you know what? I'm done. You can have it. And And so this is actually going to aggregate land to the city, I think. You're absolutely right. Yeah, this is a play. So they they want to scare everybody about the corporations coming in and buying all this cheap land Mm -hmm. and used, you know, old abandoned houses and stuff that, no, they shouldn't have that. So we'll, but what this is, is a land grab by the city to uh, own more land themselves. A company that I used to work for uh, had an office in the Seattle area, and then uh, COVID kicked in, and uh, they just sent everybody home to work from home because mm-hmm. they had the tools to do so. Uh, and so they did, and they gave up their lease. Is yeah, they big, walked away from it. Paid big, whatever they had to pay to do it, too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and they're, There's they big just, penalties for that. And what's funny about this is uh, I lofted the idea of uh, you know increasing the amount of people who work from home mm-hmm. as a cost savings to the company. I put together a spreadsheet. Uh, I went and talked to accounting, had them run some numbers for me, and put together like a little proposal for some of the executives or whatever, and said, "Hey, you know, if you do this, you can actually save money on your employee costs, mm-hmm. and so this will actually pay for itself." And the response that I got was, "Oh no, 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 we're we're definitely a come to the office." And uh-huh. work at the office type of this company. was pre-COVID that you made this proposal. even even yeah pre-COVID even okay. though they had people working remotely yeah. already but these mm-hmm. were the, the privileged people and so I was like oh, okay if that's the stance you're going to take I'm just going to bust my ass and I'll earn the privilege that's fine and you did and and I yeah. did and so like I'm happy about that but also I'm unhappy about it because like I was right it is a cost savings and so now yeah. mm-hmm. now the response that I get from people at that company is oh yeah well the company just realized that it could save a bunch of money if it didn't have this big ass office sure space. the company realized huh. the thing that I told <laughs> you yeah and they didn't have to buy like because they'd provide like free coffee and snacks and right, stuff like sure. that they didn't have to have a refrigerator or a freezer they didn't have to have uh, the, the water guy come in with right. the bottles of water and all that stuff All they didn't have to provide the electric bathrooms <laughs> you know the electric bill right. alone right all of the all of the hardware the infrastructure, the That's maintenance huge. of an office, yeah, well, cleaning. Like, you remember the, the toilet paper crunch that we had during COVID? Oh, yeah. The reason for that was because of the amount of toilet paper that people were using at work, which is, of course, a different kind and a lower grade of toilet paper. Sure but is. you are still needing the same amount of toilet paper, and now it's not getting produced. Right. Mm. And, and like, so just little things like that that you wouldn't even necessarily think were a, an, a major expense, but man, it adds, it adds up. up. Yeah. So, all of the shops, they're not paying for themselves. All of the uh, places where we put all of our workers together. Well, turns out that was a complete waste of money. Yeah. Yeah. So you factor that into the fact that these commercial uh, entities are giving up their leases. Mm-hmm. They're saying, uh, walking away. I, th- I remember they gave an example during COVID of, I think it was uh, the website Pinterest, which you know, I guess some people yeah. use. Uh, but uh, they had like a, a huge building they were planning to move into. They'd locked in the contract and they paid like a couple million dollars to in cancellation fees yeah. to get out of that deal because they would rather have done that re- than get into this next, you know, five year lease or whatever they were going to get into to $98 million or something like that. They just said, you know what? We don't need this anymore. And so you have a situation where that's happening all over the place. We talked about how a lot of these commercial properties are. You know, in some cases, half empty or whatever. I don't know what the actual statistic is, but it's yeah. pretty significant. Yeah. 
and in uh, you know, and the problem is there's not like a line of people knocking on the door to say, hey, if you lower the rates, we'll take this business. You know, we'll we'll put our business in here right. because how can you get a loan to start a new business at this point? Right. So you've got, like you said, the perfect storm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, in case this wasn't enough, we have suddenly taken the ceiling off of the money printing. So Mm -hmm. maybe there'll be an infinite money printing. Oh, and of course, Janet Yellen says, you know, it's time to refill the Treasury's general account. So that means you need a lot of us to buy a bunch of uh, of Treasuries. So you're going to be printing a bunch of Treasuries up, are you? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking like crazy collapses that are possible in the very, very near future. Like, we might not even make it to the end of the month before a complete financial meltdown. Let's talk to Tony. He's listening in Chattanooga to WGOW. Go ahead, Tony. Hey there. Good night. I was listening to your uh, to your buddy last night on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was talking about uh, using weed and everything. I want to tell you, as a as a marijuana aficionado for 40 years now nice nice uh, my usage has changed okay when i was young yes i got a smoke to get high in these days the older i get i'll be 60 years old soon and i smoke now for pain relief mm-hmm. is okay? this willie nelson so, <laughs> uh, no, willie's like 80 no, something uh, I, I wish i had his money yeah but yeah uh, now, I wish I had his weed. Uh, he has money again? I thought the IRS took it all. Oh, of course, they always do. Uh, mm. so, all right. But, but you know, I, was, I was just wanting to throw in there that older people are smoking now for for pain relief. Now, are you still it's, smoking, it's or are you trying the like yeah. the edibles or the vaporizer? Oh, oh no, I've, I've moved. Uh, I've had no choice but to move to vape, mm-hmm. the uh, Delta 8, Delta 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm which is legal down here. I'm not certain about New Hampshire. Right. Yes, I believe it uh, is. And I, and to me, uh, well, I, I guess I'm getting it from, from the wrong place, but uh, the, the the Delta 8 and the Delta 10 is stronger mm. than the so-called loud that I'm used to. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that I'm getting immune to the true marijuana strain and the and the uh, is loud uh, like the uh, the slang for the high end cannabis in Tennessee. Yes. Okay. Yes, got yes, it. it is in the south down here. That's what so they funny. Call it. <laughs> they got different terms everywhere. You, well, you got loud. You need a dime bag of the loud. The loud, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I up here they up, call it headies. Headies in oh, yeah. uh, in New England, and uh, where I was from, it was called uh, in Florida. It was called the Chronic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Chronic. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Now, now look, West I grew Coast up chronic. in Atlanta in the eighties. Okay, so the best thing back then was the sense of milieu, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. you don't back find when, that anymore. Back when most of it had seeds in it. it. Sorry, right, go ahead. right. So, so uh, this this stuff that's out nowadays, they're saying is better than all that from back then, mm-hmm. and I have yeah. I disagree with it because the the uh, the concentrated uh, uh, liquid that they're putting in the vape cartridges now, the Delta 8 and the Delta 10, on the first puff, you can feel the difference. Mm. All right. Uh, this this uh, this uh, this regular marijuana that I got uh, just yesterday, day before yesterday, I can't get high on it. Damn. And then I go back to my vape pen and the pain relief just goes away. 
Oof. All right. The pain goes away, not the pain relief goes away. Just to clarify, you're saying the pain goes away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. The pain goes away. See what your brain. Come on, Yeah. No, I thought you were, like, developing a tolerance to this as well. And it's like, oh, man, what do you do then? Oh, no, no, no. And and it's kind of scary because they talk about the lead and the nickel that's in the vape. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just destroying people's lungs from what I've heard now. Uh, from now, what I understand, part I'm of that not, is uh, you get what you pay for. The cheaper vapes, uh, are uh, they will fall apart a lot easier, so mm-hmm. they are more likely to deposit those heavy metals. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's uh, really? it's uh, kind of new. It's new for that to be a commonplace technology, so that's uh, it's a little dicey. Captain, you've uh, yeah. been known to test out some of the Delta-8. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've had some of the drinks, for instance, right? I have, have yeah. You, have you done anything else besides that or just... To... not no not really uh, mm-hmm. i really like the beverages though oh, I, yeah. I actually prefer i've moved as i've gotten older away from smoking and more to the uh, edibles if you will mm-hmm. uh, when i was in the seattle area i used to get uh, these... where it was legal you could buy it from a store yeah i could walk three blocks down the road and be like oh hey look it's the weeds mm-hmm. it was called like the pot shop or mm-hmm. something original yeah i'm like well Marketing genius is your name in this place. Anyway, uh, I would buy, uh, my favorite was uh, they had these sugar-free dark chocolates, Mm -hmm. right? So as as a large man, you know, trying to shed the pounds, uh, you know, that was my favorite because, well, I could still, uh, you know, get the effects, but, uh, you know, without all the calories and the sugar. And don't these drinks that you've had have zero calories? Yeah, uh, there's a place online. I'm trying to, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head now. I I'm order surprised from them. you get them all the time. Yeah, I order from them frequently, but perhaps it's the marijuana yeah, I they had affecting Delta the memory. In the, didn't they have Delta 8 in the title? Anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah, in I fact, like I believe their website is like deltabeverages.com, hmm, something like that. It. And you can order it like by the six pack or by the case. Okay, sweet. Uh, and that kind of a thing. Uh, and it just has Delta 8 in it, but they changed their formula. Like, I became a customer, and I mm-hmm. liked their product, and then they changed their formula, and it was even better. And I was like, wow. oh, bravo, you guys. Did they, did they ever do the Delta 10? Have you ever tried the Delta 10? I have not, no. And, and Tony, don't they also have, like, a Delta Zero or something? I'm not certain. I've not heard that part yet. Okay. Now, I will say the Delta 10 that I got was not from a shop. Mm-hmm. This was from... Uh, this is uh, uh, under the table, uh, and this From the stuff street. lasted a long time. Mm-hmm. It was very, very effective. And uh, but but then I went to another one. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of it or not, the brand name, but it it was as good as the Delta Ten. Some holders, according to uh, the National Review of New York Commercial Real Estate, you know, which is one of the hottest real estate markets as far as price is concerned, mm-hmm. right? It's very expensive to buy things there. Uh, appear to be throwing in the towel. The Wall Street Journal recently reported that some of New York's best-known real estate developers are unloading their least viable office buildings at deep discounts, cracking open a sales market that had all but closed in the first quarter. RXR defaulted on their $240 million loan on a 33 office sorry 33 story office tower in lower manhattan just defaulted yep the developer which owns and manages dozens of commercial and residential properties in the new york city area has said it will turn over ownership of the office tower at 61 broadway to whomever buys the defaulted debt okay so uh just from a layman's perspective if i buy a house Mm -hmm. and i have a mortgage on it and i run into financial trouble Yep. And for whatever reason, I can no can't longer the pay the mortgage. 
a series of things occurs before I actually default. Right. And so for them to have defaulted in a commercial uh, sense, I imagine that this same type of a scenario has played out, that they have attempted to sell it, that they have attempted to do any kind of, you know, whatever mortgage tricks and things the governments allow businesses to do to, you know, I don't know if forbearance comes to mind for, right. you know, like student loans allow you to forbear loans or, or that kind of a thing. So all of the legal tricks uh, that, that they're allowed to do, they've already tried and have failed. They've had it on the market. No one bought it. And so now they're just like, eh. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, and a lot of that process is probably going through on a lot of properties right now. And one of the issues that's going on, so they, they just invented this uh, thing to keep uh, banks out of trouble, but it only applies to U.S. treasuries. So the like the you know uh, mortgage-backed securities, including uh, commercial real estate mortgages, are no longer as, uh, as viable as they used to be with this new facility because they, it's all competing, right? They didn't have to, they didn't used to have to compete to get people to buy treasuries. Every nation on earth used to want it Mm -hmm. well not so much anymore so they've had to make special deals like okay even if you default we can just go back to this but only if you're backed by treasuries they're hiring like salespeople. Yeah. Please buy our securities. Yeah, buy our pretty treasuries. much. Yeah, one one of the like weird things that I'm kind of waiting to see, like if if the uh, if they're going to help each other or uh, fight each other, is like Yellen and uh, Powell, the the chair of the Federal Reserve. They do not see eye to eye on a number of issues, yeah. and Powell could help out Yellen with this Treasury thing by reducing what's called the reverse repo rate, which is basically where banks put money in their own bank for the interest rate he could reduce that and then they'll be like oh well since i'm not getting any profit from that i'll move these over into treasuries now or he could not reduce that and we have some serious s storm coming our way i just had this bizarre vision of toyota jan doing a toyota thon right on television the commercial for when toyota has their big sale every year uh, this girl jan comes on i got a crush on her anyway uh, she comes on and is like, Toyota-thon, I buy a new Toyota, and you get some free securities when you buy your Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like that, only they're probably going to move to, uh, oh, well, we've changed the rules so that these things require this much to be in treasuries. Maybe Bud Light and uh, the treasuries can get together and like sell both, right? Buy this case of Bud Light for $7 and you get a free treasury in every case. Or buy this treasury, get 10,000 cans of Bud Light free. So here's the, uh, the other question about this building in New York City, 61 Broadway. What's its current occupancy rate? Occupancy Ooh, rate. How yeah. many of the floors are rented? Yes. And apparently, according to commercialobserver.com in a separate article about this, uh, they say it is currently unclear as to what the rate is. Now, they're going to have to give that information up when they're looking to uh, unload Wait, the property. How is it unclear? Are people coming and going every day? Like, they're, well, I guess they just no, haven't published the what, What's the name of this? This organization, the Something Observer, uh, Commercial Observer, the Commercial, they should com. start observing, mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing if people are coming and going out of the building. How many of them? Where do they work? Where, in twenty fourteen, they go to? Uh, you know, in twenty fourteen, when times were good, it was ninety one percent occupied. Following its per- most recent purchase at that time, 
but now it's unclear, and it did lose a major tenant in 2021 when a company called Notel, which had <laughs> occupied four floors of the building, Notel. Uh, filed for bankruptcy in January Let me of guess, 2021. they were a hotel chain? I don't know. <laughs> K-N-O-T-E-L, if you want to go. Uh, yeah. Wait, what was the last that sounds re- legit. What, what was the last reported occupancy rate? 20? Uh, 91%, but that 91%. was in 2014. Oh, okay. 2014. That was in 2014, ah. and they lost a four-story uh, four tenant in 2021 Uh, so it's a 33-story building so you know back when america was rich enough to overthrow the government of ukraine you just heard highlights from the latest episode of free talk live you can download full episodes subscribe to our podcast listen live and more all for free at freetalklive.com